I'm going to be teaching from the series that I started last week called Built to Last. Amen. Because how many of you know your faith needs to last? Amen. You've got to develop and fortify your faith so it can last through the trials. So say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. Say, I am what it says I am. Say, I can have what it says I can have. Say, I can do what it says I can do. Say, I am also a believer. Say, I am not a doubter. Say, I am a doer and not just a hearer. Say, in my life is the better after having heard the word of God. Say, today I will be taught the uncompromised word of God. Say, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And after hearing this word, I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord some praise this morning real quick. Hallelujah. I am so excited about something. Uh, I was talking to Chris about this. I have been waiting to share a testimony with you for the last nine months. Amen. It's not my testimony, but it's a testimony that will absolutely bless you. Amen. How many know that there are times you ought to be happy for other folk? Amen. Amen. You got to be happy for other people. And so... Uh, there's a couple who's, who's in our church, and you probably hadn't seen them a lot because uh, they haven't traveled up quite so much because she's been pregnant. Uh, Kevin and Erica Williams, and they've been partners of our ministry. When I say partners, I mean in the truest sense. I mean, they listen to the word every week. There's not a week. To, I mean, there are times that we're in the men's group, and Kevin's asking questions about what we've taught. So they may not be here physically, but they are hearing the taught word every week. And so months and months ago, um, Erica had, she, she had had a one, one bout with cancer, which she had fought and won. Praise God. Amen. Yes. Amen. And, and, and so um, she, she, had, she was having some ailments and things, and she was going back through chemo when they found out they were expecting. And so how many of you know that, that many times doctors give you information based on their best professional advice? And that's their job. That's why we go to them. That's why we pay them. That, that's because we want to hear what they have to say. And they basically advised her to terminate the pregnancy. Because they basically said to her that if you don't terminate the pregnancy, you can't, we, if we give you the chemo, it's going to kill the baby anyway. And so, and so she asked us what, what she should do. And one of the things is we don't ever tell people what to do. What we always say, though, is what did God say? And she said, I don't know. She said, I'm going to pray about it, and I'll let you know. And we said, whatever God says to you, we will stand in agreement with you. Now, to make a long story short, she came back, and, and even though, and, and how many know when you make a decision for God, there's always going to be well-meaning people? Well-meaning people who are going to try to talk you out of what God has said to you. And so well, many people in her family kind of said, you know, this is serious. You know, you, you're not going to have chemo for nine months. The baby's going to be taking all your nutrients. Everything you have is going to go to the baby. Are you sure this is what you want to do? If you have the baby, what happens if you don't have enough energy to give birth to the baby and then you die? And her husband was like, what would I do? And he said, you know what? We're going to believe God. And I'm telling you, see, sometimes, sometimes faith we want faith to be this thing that happens today and then, and then it manifests today. But there are times in your life that God gives you a word and you got to walk it out every single day. Well, from nine months ago, she walked that thing out every day, praying and believing. She's praying and believing. And I'm telling you, yesterday, April the 25th, she gave birth to a healthy eight pounds, eight ounces, 21-inch baby girl. Nothing wrong with that baby at all. Glory to God. Because her faith produced what God said. I'm telling you, 
Man, it, it, I was overwhelmed yesterday. I share that with you because the reality of it is, is God is no respecter of persons. And if God if God will give you a word and see it through, he, if he do it for her, he'll do it for you. And I'm telling you, it was so good. And, 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 oh, I'm sorry. And yes, they named her Faith. They named her Faith. Because sometimes, you understand, you got to name what God has said to you. They gave her a name so that every single time they call her, it's a reminder of what God did for them. And I was excited about it, I'm telling you. I was overcome with emotion because, you, 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 you know, when you hear the word cancer, it's one of those words that's just terrifying to people. So she made a decision that she was going to forego what the doctor said and do what God said. And as a result, she's right now holding the manifestation of a promise. She was born, the doctor said she was perfect. And she, and she don't have, she, no, when they, no cancer in her body, nothing, her health is perfect. She's fine, baby's fine, 10 fingers, 10 toes, long baby. Man. But you don't get faith like that just spending all your time doing something else besides, besides reading the word. It, she, she wasn't skipping weeks at a time. She, every, can you imagine how many times the devil tried to torment her? Told her he was going to take the baby, he was going to take her life, even if she gave birth to the baby. And, 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 we, and we talked to Kev, you know, because no, no young couple wants to think, well, okay, my wife's going to have this baby, but then she's going to leave. You know, but, but the devil tries to get in anywhere he can. But that's why you got to go back to Psalms 91. That's why you got to go back to Psalms 103. And, and, and they literally lived off that word for nine months. And it produced a harvest in their life. Amen. And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna say the same thing to you that we said to them. We're going to teach you how to build your faith so that it lasts. Amen? Amen. Amen. You ready for the word today? Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Sean said this early, and I'm going to have you say it again. Say, I am, I am anointed to learn, saying he is anointed to teach me. Amen. You're ready to receive the word this morning. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. And I'm just going to kind of come over here, and we're just going to kind of teach through the word. I'm not going to say a whole lot except teach through the word this morning because I'm telling you, one of the things that is so important for the life of a believer is understanding how faith works. The Bible says this in the book of Ephesians. It says all of the promises of God are received how? By faith. Say that. Say all the promises of God are received by faith. So if God makes you a promise, the only way to see that promise come to fruition is to make sure you're seeing it in faith. That's why Pastor Sean said earlier, you're no more, it's no more real when you claim it than it is when it manifested. She, Erica believed that baby was going to be healthy the moment she found out she was pregnant. She, she didn't wait six months down the road, seven months down the road, and then start believing. She started believing from the moment she conceived. And when God gives you a word, that's your conception point. So if God, if God tells you he's going to give you a raise, that's your conception point. It may take you a year. It may take you two years. But you don't let go of your faith. You hold on to what God has said. Say, I believe I receive from my conception point. So the Bible says in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved us, the world, that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not, what? 
perish, but shall have what? Everlasting life. Now, when you read this, a lot of times we equate this scripture talking about the hereafter. We talk about going to heaven. But the Bible didn't necessarily just make reference to what's going to happen after we leave here. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him. Any believers in the house this morning? He says, and if you're believing right now, then you're not going to perish. But you're going to have what? Everlasting life. So in other words, the things that you do on earth are going to last. And so it's very important that we understand that God loves us so much that before we were even conceived, he already had a plan of prosperity for us. Amen. So let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 9 and verse 11. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if we shall confess with our what? Mouth the Lord Jesus. Now when it says that, what it really means here is if you make Jesus the head. He says, if you make Jesus the head, and if you believe in your heart that God has what? Raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Again, this is not just talking about heaven. Because this word save, we said last week, means what? Delivered. So if I put Jesus as the head, and I believe it in my heart, whatever Jesus says is going to come to pass, and whatever is trying to cause fear in my life, I'm going to be delivered from. Say, I am, I am delivered, delivered from, all fear. from all fear. Oh, you didn't say that like you was delivered. Say, I am, I am delivered, delivered from, all fear. from all fear. So anything the devil tries to terrorize you with, you got to get to the point where you say, I don't believe it. I choose to believe what God has said. And if you choose to believe what God has said, it becomes the biggest thing in your life. And psychologists will tell you this, whatever you, whatever you meditate on gets magnified in your life. How many of you know that's true? Anybody ever had a big report due at work, like in two weeks? In the whole two weeks, you worried about the report, and then you went in and you did the report, and everybody thought it was so great and awesome, and they just praised you for it, and you kind of ask yourself, why in the world did I worry about this for two weeks? Because you magnified on all the bad stuff that could go wrong. But you could have spent those two weeks thinking about how well you had done in the past, and you could have enjoyed your two weeks rather than being miserable. Say, I choose to believe God. It says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. It says, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? Or another word for that is what? Deliverance. So let's read it again with the word deliverance. It says, for with the, mouth, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto? So how you going to get delivered? You going to open your mouth and say something. You're going to open your mouth and say what God said. It's the reason that we say confession is so important. It's not a byproduct of what we do until it's time to sing and then time for the word to come. We start our service off with confession because that's how your deliverance comes. See, if you confess Psalms 103 and you confess Psalms 91, you're listening to me celebrate, but you already delivered. Any deliver, anybody got delivered already this morning? That's some folk who got some delivered from some things. Why? Because the word of God is designed to cause you to be delivered. Amen? Now let's look at Romans 10, and what we're going to do is go back to verse number 1. So let's go back to Romans 10 and 1. I want to show you something here in these few verses. Because faith is the linchpin of how we receive God's promises. It's the way we receive God's promises. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Somebody say Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. And praise God. Praise God. Amen. Romans 10 and 1. It says, brethren, my heart's desire 
and prayer to God for Israel, and we are part of Israel, the Bible says we've been, draft, we've been grafted in, is that they might be what? Delivered. 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 Tell your neighbor, say, my desire, my desire for, you for you is to see you. Delivered, delivered from everything. Okay. Amen. I want to see you delivered out of debt. I want to see you delivered out of sickness. I want to see you delivered out of depression. I want to see you delivered out of a bad job, unemployment, underemployment, whatever it is in your life, I want to see you delivered from it. Amen. That's the reason I, see, I don't cease to pray for you because I know that if you get the word, you don't even need anybody to give you a pep, a pep assembly. You will believe what God has said. A lot of times, and I'm not, I'm not discounting or discrediting anybody's church, but a lot of times people spend their lives in cycles always running to some place to be hyped. And, and, and no disrespect, but they run from one conference to another conference because they're looking for someone to say something to them. I mean, I ain't trying to be funny, but how many times you got to be loosed? I mean, you go to this conference to be loose. You go to this conference to be loose. You go to this conference to be loose. How many times you got to be loose? There, there's an ability to believe God and stay loose. I want to go to a stay loose conference, amen? What? Because you got to understand that if I don't, if, if I live my life in a cycle and all I'm ever doing is having somebody to rob, rob, rob me, when I leave and I go back into the world, I don't have the word of God to sustain me. I got to tell your neighbor, say, I must have the word. He says, so our hearts desire that you would be delivered. Verse 2, it says, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not what? According to knowledge, they keep going to church every week. They keep being excited about church during the week, but they keep living defeated after church. Why? Because they have a zeal. They have a zest for God, but they haven't sat down long enough to allow somebody to teach them about faith so they can produce what it is they're shouting about. You, you, you can't spend your whole life in church shouting. You can't spend your whole time spinning circles and going under pews. Sometimes you got to sit down, you got to open up your Bible, you got to read it and find out what it says to do. Yes. Yes. It's just sometimes. You know, the fifth Sunday, we can shout all we want to. But the other times, we ought to be learning some words. He says, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So Paul is saying to them, listen, you're excited about God, but it's going to take more than excitement to get these promises in your life. See, Erica was excited about being pregnant, but just being excited wasn't going to produce what she has right now. Next verse. So then it says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, go about trying to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. What does that mean? It says that God gives you a word. God gives you a direction how to live according to that word. But you think you're smarter than God, so you go about trying to do it your own way. And then you're confused when it doesn't work out. I know I ain't the only one who's ever done this before. That God tells you to do something, but you figure that's just, that just doesn't make sense. You know, that you've seen other people try to do it this way and it produce something, so you try to do it. He says, you go about trying to establish your own righteousness. Understand, God has an individual way to get every single person in this auditorium out of a situation, and it's all unique. It is all unique. You and I, all of us, literally could have the exact same problem and God would not have to duplicate his decision making in order to get us out of it. That, that's, how that's how awesome God is. So he says, don't go about trying to establish your own righteousness. Find out what faith is and then do it the way I've instructed you to do it. He says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Christ is the end for us. Whatever God says, that's the end for us. It says, for Moses describeth the righteousness which is, of, which, which is of the law, 
that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. In other words, she says, all right, if you're going to try to do it aside from God, that's how you're going to have to live, aside from God. He says, so it's not enough to get instruction from God, do some of what God said, and then mix it with some of what you said. Now, now, now see, so, so, so I work in the education space, and one of the things that we tell people all the time is that you can't say our program doesn't work if you haven't implemented it with fidelity. In, in, in other words, in, in other words, you can't tell me that what I told you doesn't work when you only did two of the ten things I told you to do. So you can't go to God and say, God, why you didn't do this when you ain't did but two of the ten things he told you to do. Understand, he says you cannot just run around and try to be tied to the way you think you're trying to do it, trying to establish your own righteousness. He says, but the righteousness which is of what? Faith. What does the righteousness of faith do? It speaks. It speaks. He says, say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven. He says, this is to bring Christ down from above. Next verse. He says, do not say in thine heart. Uh, next verse. Do not say. Next verse. Say praise God. Praise God. Say amen. amen. We train them up back there, amen. <laughs> he says, so who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. He says, but what saith it? He said, watch this. Your deliverance, your salvation, the word of God, it's not somewhere far off. Where is it? The word is not thee. Where? Even in your mouth. You can speak your deliverance right now. You can decide today that you're never going to be free. You're never going to be bound another day in your life. I got revelation on this through my mother. My mother had smoked cigarettes, vintage, a vantage or whatever they was, for 17 years. And I remember that we, well, a preacher was preaching this message, and he said, the word is not in your mouth. You can decide right now to be free. And she said, I'm never going to smoke another cigarette again, another day in my life. And she ain't had one since that day. It wasn't no 12-step, no 3-step, no rehab. It was a God step. Because, see, what, what, what I used to do, I, I used to pat myself on the back because I didn't cuss every day. I, I used to cuss every day. But I stopped cussing every day to a couple times a day. And then a few times a week. And then, you know, not very much. And then just when you tick me off. Because I kept saying... I was using my own ability. But there's an anointing not to cuss. Oh, did nobody say amen to that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want to keep your cuss. But listen, there's an anointing. There's an anointing not to cuss. Amen? There's an anointing for it. Why? Because your deliverance is where? In your mouth. And it's in your where? Heart. That is the word of which what? That's why you won't come here and we're going to ever give you anything other than what God said. That's right. that, we, we just can't do it. We, uh, if that means we lose you, we lose you. If we keep you, we keep you. But all we can do is give you what God has said, and that is how to live by faith. Amen? Let's go to Romans 15. Romans 15 and 4. Romans 15 and 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, why were they written? For our learning. So God wrote this whole book about faith so that you and I didn't have an excuse not to live by it. He says that we through what? Patience and what? Might what? Now what? Watch this. He says that we through patience, okay? That means that everything you read about ain't going to manifest in your life tomorrow. 
This word patience is not the idea of sitting in a doctor's office. Because how many of you know, you, is anybody in here love sitting in the doctor's office? Don't you even raise your hand. Especially when they give you a 9 o'clock appointment and you show up and it's eight other folk with a 9 o'clock appointment. It ain't but one doctor. So nobody likes that kind of patience. But the kind of patience this talks about is the word consistency. It says literally, it says that we threw consistency. And what? That means even when it ain't going right, the scripture comforts me to let me know God hadn't left me. God hadn't gave up on me. God hadn't left me out in the cold. God ain't forgot about me. God, I'm not going to end up being ashamed because I trusted God. The scriptures comfort me. They give me what? Hope. They, now, now, not, this, not this wishful kind of thing. Hope is what a woman has when she's expecting a baby. She's not, she not a hope and a wishing like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to have a baby. No, you know you got one. It's just a matter of time until it manifests. That's what this kind of hope is. That's what this comfort is. That's what that patience is. Erica probably wanted to have the baby the day she found out she was pregnant. But there takes time for things to mature in your life sometimes. And so she took the time to let that thing mature consistency. And then the whole time she was using the word of God, when the devil said, you're not going to make it, she was, saying, she was reading the word of God where it says, you shall live and not die. Every time the devil said, I'm going to kill your baby, she was going, no, Lord, I'm a tither. And you said that you would go to the edge of the field and you would rebuke and devour for my name's sake. My seed shall not bear its fruit before it's time. The comfort of scripture. The comfort of scripture. And then it said that she might have hope. And today she's holding her hope. And I'm trying to get you to understand that just like it works for a baby, it works the same way in your life. It does the exact same things for you. I don't care if it's a job, if it's the restoration of your marriage. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's raising your kids. Some of you may have kids who are wayward. I'm telling you, you can rest assured in the scripture that if God gives you a word that he's going to deliver them, he is going to deliver them. His word is true. His word is true. In fact, now I know I'm going to mess y'all up for a little bit, but I want you to go to Psalms. I believe it's Psalms 18 and 30. If it ain't, it's Psalms 30 and 18. Well, let's go to 18 30 first and look at this. I believe it's Psalms 18 and 30, I believe. You put it up there, I tell you if it's right or not. Psalms 18 and 30, I believe is what it is. Listen, I base my life <laughs> on Psalms 18 and 30, amen? Because here's what it says. It says, ask for God. His way is what? Perfect. That means that if I do it my way, it's going to end up not perfect. Because we can't both be perfect. It says, ask for God. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is what? It's tried. God's been where you're trying to go. In fact, God's already carved out the path for you to get there successfully. It says, the, the word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler, or he is a defender, he is a shield, he is a refuge to all those that what? Trust in him. The, the, the word of God will preach for you if you will let it. So literally, I don't care how intellectual somebody is, I don't care how smart they are, if they give me something that goes against what God say, my thing is always this, if I'm a fail, I'm a fail believing God. I ain't saying I ain't going to fail, but if I got to fail between you and God, I'm going with God. Amen? All right, let's go back to Romans. Romans 10. 
Four, we, we, I think we had, verse, well, we had 10, and, 10 and 4. 15 and 4, Romans 15 and 4. All right, yeah, just for whatsoever things were written for time, were written for our learning, that we through patience, we talked about that, and comfort of the scripture, we talked about that, might have hope. Say, I have, I have a, hope a hope that cannot, that cannot be, stolen. be stolen. Now, ooh, that's good. Now, watch this. That means that it can't be stolen. So if your hope leaves, you let it go. It can't be stolen from you. You know, we used to sing that song. Some of y'all grew up Baptist. The joy, the, the joy I have. The world ain't giving to me. Y'all preaching this morning. Now watch this. So if I have a joy that the world can't take away, I have a hope that the world can't take away. So the only way for me to give up, the only way for me to get out of faith is I have to walk away from what God said. I have to abandon. That's a great word. I have to abandon it. I have to abandon my faith. That's, that's such a good word because if you've ever been on a ship, and I know, and I pray you've been on a ship, but you ain't been on a ship that's going down. But if you ever been on a ship that was going down, the first thing you want to do is to abandon the ship. You want to get to safety. Many times in our life, when trouble comes, we think that by leaving the thing God told us to do is getting us to safety. But the reality of it is, it's as crazy as being on the boat, jumping in the water without a lifeboat. You want to stick with God. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. no matter what, no matter what. Stick, with God. stick with God. Why? Because God has a great end for us. Amen. Go to Jeremiah 29 and 11. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. They are thoughts of what? Peace not of evil, and to give you what? An expected end. Say, God, God has, has a great outcome, a great outcome for, my life. for my life. Amen. Yeah, you, amen. Watch this. Now, we usually stop here, but we're going to go a little further today. It says, then shall you call upon me, okay? And you shall go and pray unto me. He says, and when you do, what's the promise? I'm going to hearken. No, 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 no. Because hearken don't just mean hear. He says, I'm going to hearken. I'm going to hear and do unto you. That's the reason we never have to say, I don't know what we're going to do. Because all we got to do is call and pray. And when you call and pray, he says, he's going to come to you. Didn't say you was going to go to him. He says, I'm going to come to you. He says, and will hearken unto you. Hear and do what you have asked. He says, and you shall seek me. Watch this. What's going to happen? Because God ain't trying to play hide and seek from you. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you always have a right to hear from God. People say, well, I can't hear from God. Then you're not listening properly. Because God is always speaking. speaking. It says, and you shall seek me. And when you seek the Lord, he said, you go, here's a promise. You're going to what? Find him. He says, when ye shall search for me with what? All with all your heart. It's the reason, watch this, that you can be delivered from something. You can, over time, go back to the thing that had you in bondage. You can call out to God, and God will deliver you again. It's why in that deliverance you can live your life and over time find yourself back in bondage again, call out to God, and God will what? Deliver you again. God never says that he's going to stop delivering you. The problem is you delay your destiny when you keep having to repeat the cycle. You can't get to 12th grade if you do 3rd grade six times. At some point you've got to master the content and move to the next thing. 
But God is not unrighteous. God is not unfaithful. God is going to be there. Anytime you seek him, you're going to find him. But you ought, you ought not to have to keep trying to seek and find God from deliverance from the same thing. That's right. amen. A amen. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. amen. Now, here's the key. It's not just about seeking him. The Bible says you've got to search for him with what? All your heart. In other words, you've got to decide that you want to be sold out to God. All the time. Not just when you don't have enough. Not just when you're in a bad spot. Not just when things are not as good as they used to be. But you've got to be sold out to God all the time. Amen? Next verse. Verse 14. He says, and I will be found of you, said the Lord. He says, and I will turn away your captivity. Watch this. The thing is holding you in bondage. He says, I'm going to turn it away for you. When you seek me with what? Your whole heart. He says, and I'm going to gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have uh, driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place where I caused you to be carried away uh, from in captivity. In other words, what he says is this. He says, when you seek me and you call me, he says, I'm going to deliver you. And I'm not going to deliver you and put you back at the starting line. He says, I'm going to put you back where you would have been had you never left me. Restoration is not my house burning now and you fixing my garage. If my house burns and you restore it, it's as good or better than it was. God is a restorer of those who search after him with their whole heart. So this, this church mentality that we've grabbed hold to from some place that says when I mess up, I got to start all over, it's not from God. Yes. It's not from God. God says what happens is you messed up. He says, now I've been watching you the whole time. And the moment you call out to me, he says, I'm going to come to you. He says, you're going to find me when I come. He says, and when you seek after me with your whole heart, he says, I'm going to take you and restore you. And it's going to be as though you never left me. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. You got to say this like you mean it. Say it is, it is. restoration time. Yeah. Oh, somebody give God some praise this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now let's look at Hebrews 10.35. Someone says, man, we, we, we come here and we just seem like we're excited all the time. Because God's exciting. God's exciting. You start serving God and things start happening in your life. And watch this. We don't serve God because things happen. We serve God because of what he's already done through Jesus. Literally, I know we say this, but God is not, not even like this. But we say things like this. If he never blessed me again, I'm already satisfied. The reality of it is, giving us Jesus was enough. But God is not just the God of enough. He's a God of more than enough. So he's going to give you Jesus, and then he's still going to lavish you with a good life. Amen? He's still going to lavish you with good health. He's still going to lavish you with good relationships. So the Bible says this. Here's what happens. Even in bad times, he says, cast not away, therefore you're what? Why? Because your confidence has a great what? recompense of reward or it has a great payday coming your confidence in God has a payday coming to you the payday for Kevin and Erica was faith that that's their payday 
They give their house away if they can keep faith. They give their cars away if they can keep faith. Their payday, their confidence in God produced their baby girl. It was their payment for their reward in trusting God. They had nine months to cast away their confidence. Now, some of us, we will, if, if God, we pray to God on Monday. If God ain't there by five Monday afternoon, we throwing away our confidence. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. when it comes, when it comes to, trusting God, to trusting God, you never, you never have, a have a plan B. Oh, oh. Uh-uh, I done matriculated from the university. I got degrees in planning, and I got all this stuff. Listen, when it comes to God, if you got a plan B, you don't have God. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Because your plan B, here's what your plan B says. It says, God, just in case you blow it. Just in case you ain't smart enough, just in case you ain't wise enough, just in case you really don't know what you're doing, I got a backup plan. Now, the Bible says that thou shalt not have any other gods before me. So if you got a plan B, that is your God. And it got quiet in this sanctified church. If you got a plan B, you're not trusting God. I'm not telling you don't be intelligent. God is a smart businessman. God knows how much you need to save. God knows how much you need to spend. God knows what you need to do. But if everything you do in life, you're doing it based on the fact that God told you to do something, but if it don't come through, you've already told God you don't trust him. You, listen, we didn't have nothing when we got married. People, I mean, we, 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 didn't, we didn't have nothing. We weren't even supposed to get married when we got married. We were supposed to wait a year. But she couldn't wait. She couldn't wait. She couldn't wait. She couldn't wait, so we had to get married early. But we didn't have anything. But, here, but here's what I do know. Here, I'm preaching. You do that when you preach. We didn't have nothing. But here's what I do know. What we decided was, is we believe God told us to get married then. And so we, 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 we didn't have the faith we have now, but we, we both felt confident in what God had said. So we got married. And watch this. God provided everything that we needed. Everything that we needed. And so the reality of it is, if you're having a plan B, you're basically telling God, look, God, I got this plan B because I don't know if you're going to come through for me or not. It's like saying, it's like taking the person you want to marry and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm proposing to you, but in case this don't work out, I got old girl over here. That's right. That's right. That, oh, oh, that's what you told. Let me help you. Let me help you. What you're saying is, God, you can be my side chick. Because if this, because if my plan don't work out, we, how many times do we do it? I did everything I know to do. Then I prayed and asked God, God ain't your side chick. God is supposed to be the first person you go to. Amen? So notice, he said, don't you give away your confidence. He said, because it has a great recompense of reward. He says, for you have need of what? Consistency. You have need of consistency. It's not that God can't deliver you instantaneously. It's that if he did, it wouldn't build the character in you you're going to need for the next fight. 
The fact of the matter is there are some because you have a destiny on your life and where you're going, you're going to need to develop more character. So in order to develop that character, he's letting you go through something on this level so it don't break you when you get to this level. He says, the reason I haven't totally delivered you yet is not because I don't love you and not because I'm not going to deliver you. It's because I'm trying to build some consistency in you. Will you come to church when it rains? Will you come when it snows? Will you come after alumni weekend? Can you be consistent? Can you be consistent? Can, I'm trying to develop something in you that no matter how late you stayed up, you get up and come to church because you need the word. Well, amen, light bulb. He said that after you have done what? That you might what? Some of us want the promise before we've done the will. Take it over and say, no promise, no will. You got to do the will of God first before you ever get the promise. Amen. He says, for yet a what? Little while. And he that shall come will what? God says, whatever I promised you, even though it seems like it's not coming, believe this. It's on its way. It is on its way to you. In fact, it's already been decreed to you. The title deed of it belongs to you. It just hadn't manifest yet because we got some things we got to iron out in your character. I love people say things like this. More pastor, if I had a million dollars, I'd build us a church. I said, just give me the two dollars you got now. <laughs> I don't need the million. Just be faithful over the two you got right now. If you're not faithful where you are, it determines you're not going to be faithful when you get there. People are who they are. It's the reason people win the lottery and they end up being broke in five years. Because they had a poverty mentality before they ever got the money, and the poverty, the money doesn't change the poverty mentality. Listen, this is no disrespect to any, any nationality, any culture, or anybody, so don't, don't think I'm saying it like this. But you can take a person who grew up in the whatever you classify as the hood, the ghetto, whatever it is, take that person and put them in a mansion, and in a year they had a mansion looking like the hood. They have cars parked on the lawn. They have barbecue grills out in front smoking. They, I mean, they, because, because what's in you is who you are. Tell your neighbor, say, everywhere you go, everywhere you go there, you there you are. That's the problem. The problem ain't God. The problem ain't the church. Listen, you, we got folk all over America leaving churches. Now, sometimes God tells you to go to a particular place, but every church ain't bad. If every church you go to, something wrong with it, it ain't the church. <laughs> It's you. He says, the problem is you need some patience. He said, and then in a little while, he said, that thing that you've been praying and believing God for, he said, it's going to come. Watch this. And it will not what? Tarry. It will not tarry. Next verse. We've got two more here. It says, now, come on, somebody. The just shall what? But if any man draw back, what? My soul shall have no he says, listen, everybody, it doesn't matter who you are, preacher or not, doesn't matter what your title is, doesn't matter what your gender is, doesn't matter what your race is, you've got to learn to live by faith. You've got to learn to live by faith. And I'm telling you, that's the reason we teach on it so much. It's the reason why when we counsel people, we're always talking about what did God say? Because you've got to learn to live by faith. Because you have been justified, and it says, so the just shall live by faith. 
Verse 39 says, but we are not of them, praise God, who draw back unto perdition. It says, but of them that what? Believe. We ain't the folk who believe on Monday and don't believe on Wednesday. We are of those who get a word from God and we believe and we keep on believing. And we keep on believing. And on the good days we believe, on the bad days we believe. When it's hot we believe, when it's cold we believe. When we got friends we believe, when we ain't got nobody we believe. We just keep on believing. Why? Because it is to the saving of our what? Now watch this. Here's what believing does. Believing affects my mind, my will, my emotions, my imagination, and my intellect. So when I start to believe God, my soul lines up with my spirit. And we did that demonstration so long ago, but wherever, this, wherever the soul of a man is and wherever his spirit is, the body's just going to follow. Because man is a tripartite being. So if I can start to believe God and I just keep believing in the face of every obstacle, then what I find is it comes to the saving. And another word for here is the delivering of my what? That means I'm not worried. I don't have stress. That's why I believe God, because it reduces my stress. That's why I believe God, because I don't have to be depressed. That's why I believe God, because I don't want to cuss everybody out when they say hello. That's why I believe God. Because when I'm believing God, it affects my mind. It affects my will, my emotions. My when I'm believing God, I can dream. Yeah. Pastor Sean, we went to her 25th, um, class, 25th high school class reunion on yesterday. And they asked her to give, to give words. And in about 10 minutes, she shared uh, the CBAs of dream manifestation. But she shared it with them based on the fact that, you know, at, at 43, which is most of us in that room were about that age, that you, you are a different space in your life than you were, say, at 25 or even, or even 35. And so you had a different space. And so she began to talk about that. And as she was talking about that, one of the things that she just kept on talking about was how at this stage in your life, you have to believe and you have to dream. But the reason some people can't dream is because they don't think it's possible. You know, at, 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 you know in, in, in 10 years, literally in 10 years, all of our children will be out of the house. Okay. Oh, my, my bad, my bad, my bad. In 10 years. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, sir, yes, sir. I'm going to raise them good, but when you get going, you go. <laughs> Amen. But, but, but literally, so, so she's even talking to me now. She says, okay, in, in 10 years, what do we want our life to look like? It's time to start dreaming now. But you don't just hope. You go to God and say, God, what, what's in my heart? God, I don't even know what's in, my, what's in my heart. God will begin to reveal to you things that's in your heart. And then God is so good. God will say, okay, here's what's in your heart. Now ask me for it. He won't even say go do it yourself. He'll say, all right, I'm going to give you a dream. I'm a, you're going to ask me what it is. I'm going to tell you what it is. Now you ask me to produce it for you. Because it's to the saving of your so you ain't, you, ain't, you, ain't, you, ain't, you ain't stressed, man. You ain't, you ain't worried about how the bill's going to get paid. You believe God. Now, 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 here's the thing. If you're stressed about bills, you have to ask yourself, did God tell you to get that bill? 
Because God is not obligated to maintain what he didn't tell you to get. Amen. Just because you got the credit score to get it don't mean it's the time to get it. Amen. Amen. Uh-huh. Y'all like that one, didn't you? Amen. Praise God. Let's look at Romans 10, 17. Because here's why we keep preaching this. It says, so then faith cometh by and hearing by the word of God. Here's how the word of God comes. It comes because you hear word. It comes because you hear word. And when you hear word, y'all, they good. They little kids. Man, y'all, they good. Don't let no kid distract you. They good. Faith comes because you hear word. The more words you hear, the more your faith is developed. Now, I said to you weeks ago, I won't spend all this time doing it, but everybody was given a measure of The issue is I have abs just like Jimmy. What you like? I'm serious. I do. Now, the issue is he has spent far more time developing his. But anatomically, we got the same ones. <laughs> so you look at somebody in church and go, man, I got saved too. Yeah, but you ain't been, de- you ain't been developing yours. Now, 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 now watch this, because here's why you got to be careful in church. Because in church, you'll come to church, you'll hear good words, you'll get excited. Somebody be talking to you about what they did in their faith. You'll be like, yeah, I can do that too. But if I go out there tomorrow and I try to do what he do, I'm going to be hurt. I'm pass out. And some of y'all be passing out from faith because you'll be trying to live by somebody else's faith. You got to work your own faith out. You got to study the word for yourself. You can't spend all your week watching TV. Somebody spend all their week hearing and talking to God. And then you think you're going to believe at the level they believe on. Amen. So then faith cometh by and hearing by the word of God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13, because here's why this is important. Why is it important that I do something with the word I heard? Remember last week I told you that there are two things you have to do uh, when, where, where faith is concerned. That you're, you have to feed your faith. Remember we talked about faith and how nutrition is important for the body? Well, it's true for your faith. You got to feed your faith. And then number two, we said you got to do what? Exercise your faith. Well, here's the reason why. The Bible says, hear ye therefore the parable of the sword. Okay. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that's what faith is, and understands it not. They don't understand the word. So anytime you get a word and you don't fully understand it, you shouldn't just let that word go. You ought to go research. You got smartphones and iPads and computers. We have access to more technology in the word of God than than, than humanity has ever had. There's no reason not to study the word. He says, but anytime you hear a word and you hear about faith, he says, and you don't understand it, here's what happens. He says, the devil comes, or the wicked one comes, and he catcheth away that which was sown. In other words, I'm preaching to you about faith today. I preached to you about faith last week. But if you didn't feed your faith last week, and if you didn't exercise your faith last week, the devil slowly came with the cares of the world and ate your faith away. So you came back here this morning at the same place where you started last week, and that ought not be so. Every time you hear words, your life ought to change. Every time you hear words, you ought to grow. So the Bible says he catches away the word which was sown. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So in other words, another translation says it like this. It says anytime you hear word and you don't understand word and you don't go and study that word, the devil comes to steal that word so you can't use that word. Anytime you hear word. So when Pastor Sean was going through Psalms 103, and they said, bless the Lord. 
See, if you didn't do it, it's because, oh, I forgot. The devil came and stole that word from you. Because he knows your success is going to be based on the word of God. It's going to be based on how you, how you use the word of God in your life. Amen? So it says, anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then cometh the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. And we're going to close with this. We got several weeks of this teaching. We're going to close right now with this one. I want you to look at 2 Peter 1 and 3. Actually, we got two. 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 Before we go, before we go to 2 Peter, before we go to 2 Peter, I'm just going to quote this one for you in case you're writing it down. It's Psalms 11 and 3. You don't have to go to it. Psalms 11 and 3. Here's what it says. It says, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Your faith has to be your foundation. Amen? You can't build your life on anything other than the word of God. Not if you're a believer. If you're a believer, you can't, you, can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't have a little of God, a little hedonism, a little secular humanism. You, you can't mix all that together because it's not going to produce. The Bible says a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all of his ways. And let not that man think he shall receive anything from God. So, so you've got to make sure your foundation is right. Amen? Now, I, I said 2 Peter, and we'll go to 2 Peter. It was 2 Peter, well, praise God, Caleb, 1 and 3, amen. Now, here's the King James. I don't know, can you get it in the Amplified for me? Can you get it in the Amplified? Y'all shout amen three times. Amen. 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 I learned that from my bishop, Bishop Anderson. I'm trying to find something, he be like, say amen. He say amen about 15 times, amen. <laughs> flipping through that Bible. Amen. So here's, so you see what it says in the King James. It says, according to his divine power has given us unto all things that pertaineth unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. But in the Amplified, I'm going to read it. Here's what it says. It says, for his divine power, God's divine power, has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness. Now think about that. He bestowed it upon us. If someone bestows something on you, it means you didn't earn it. It's a gift. It was given to you. And the reason it was given to you was by no doing of your own. They, they, just, they just said, you know what? I want you to have this. So it says literally that his divine power. Now watch this. If God is supreme. So, so let, me, let me use this example. Let's say that Kenosha has um, uh, a pair of cufflinks, and they belong to her. They're hers. If she bestows them up on me, none of you have the right to claim them because the power to give them lies with her. So the Bible says in God's divine power, he has bestowed upon you all things that pertain that are requisite, required, and suitable for life, not existence, life and godliness. In other words, if God has bestowed upon you, nobody has the right to tell you how you can live. Oh, that's good stuff. Nobody has the right to say to you, well, you know, everybody gets sick. He didn't bestow upon me sickness. 
Well, you know, everybody go through some financial troubles. Wait a minute, that's not what he bestowed upon me. So I may go through them, but it ain't from God. Because what was bestowed upon us by the person who had the authority to give it said he gave us everything that pertained to life and godliness. This word life means prosperity. It's the same Hebrew word used there, if you look it up, as the word shalom. The word shalom meaning nothing missing, nothing broken. It's the word peace. God bestowed peace upon us. Amen? And so if we have anything in our life that doesn't look like peace, we ought to be declaring that it's out of our lives. Amen? Amen. Last one. It was the one we, 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 went, we started with last when we started with last week, we're going to end with 1 Corinthians 3 and 9. Y'all get anything out of this this morning? Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3 and 9. Now, 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 watch this. It says you and I are what? Laborers. Come on, stay with me. For, for we are what? Laborers. What? Together with God. You are God's husbandry or you're the field in which God works you are God's building it says for we are laborers together what does that mean that means that when God makes us a promise we can't just sit back and go okay God you do it all he says we're laborers with God God has a part to do and I have a part to do and so I cannot say that God is unfair if he doesn't do his part when I haven't done my part. So it says we are laborers together with God. In other words, God uses my life. I'm a field. God sows seeds into my life so that my life can produce something that can be a blessing to someone else. That's the reason that, 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 that I, I have these vigorous discussions with people on Facebook who make these comments about what a preacher or what a Christian should have. Here's the thing. You cannot judge what God told somebody else to have based on their assignment. You know, and I'm not defending him. I don't care what you think. You don't have to care what I think. But I got the, I got the floor, so I'm going to say what I say. At the, at the end of the day... At the end of the day, whether Pastor Dollar asked for a $65 million jet or not really doesn't have to affect you. Were you going to give to it? If you wasn't, then don't say nothing about it. But you also can't say he doesn't need one. Because if you haven't been given his assignment to preach the gospel to every corner of the world, you don't know what it requires to get to India and to leave India and fly to Australia. And before you leave Australia, you got 24 hours to get back to New York to preach so you can be back in Atlanta on Sunday. If you ain't never left the county for a godly assignment, how dare you judge somebody else's assignment? Tell you, let me say just. Stay in your lane. Amen. Just stay in your lane. We are co-laborers with Christ. When God gives us an assignment, God gives us provision for that assignment. Now, I don't know if you watched the final end of that tape or not, but you know somebody from the Middle East wrote him a check for that plane. Did you know what? Yeah. Did y'all not watch that? Yeah. Um, see, see, when, when, when it's a... <laughs> When it's of God, you can't stop it. 
The, Bi the Bible says it like this. The Bible says it's hard to kick against the prick. In other words, the Bible says it like this. It says that if it's God and we fight against it, we're fighting against God. But if it's not of God, it's going to fail anyway. So, so everybody got all this stuff to say. And at the end of the day, God talks to a man in the Middle East and he writes him a check for $63.5 million for the plane. Because he said, we need the gospel preached over here. They're killing Christians. Nobody else will come. We'll buy you a plane if you will come. And you sitting back on Facebook talking about what, who need a plane. Who need a plane? Listen, when God, why, am I, why am I saying that? Because there's going to be times that God's going to give you an assignment. Don't you let nobody talk you out of it. Somebody might say, hey, God might say to you, hey, I want you to feed 100 people. And folk like, you can't feed your own family. Listen, don't you listen to what folk got to say. Whatever God told you to do, you do it. Amen? Say, we are co-laborers with Christ. All right, come on, let's finish this up. Next verse, verse, verse 10, he says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me. Okay, so people ask, used to ask us all the time, how did y'all drive from Springdale to Conway every Sunday, or practically every Sunday, for eight years. God gave us the grace to do it. it, it, it went, we, we wasn't waking, we weren't on Monday thinking, oh, we got to go to Conway on Sunday. We, you know, we, we wasn't doing that. You know, God, when God calls you for something, God gives you a grace for it. So there are times that people will look at your life and say, I don't understand how you're doing that. I don't understand why you would do that. I don't know, because you don't know my assignment. And sometimes that's really all you got to tell people. You don't understand my assignment. You don't know what God's called me to do. And let me help you. Every person is a minister. I don't care what you do, whether it's poetry, whether you make things you sell on Esty, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a business person, whether you're in politics. It doesn't matter because wherever you are, there you are. So if God's in you, then God's in whatever you're doing. Amen. And so you got to be careful to look at somebody's life and try to determine what they should be doing. You don't know because you're not in their life and you haven't been given their assignment. They, they are co-laboring with God. And again, if they're not co-laboring with God, it's going to fail. And if they are co-laboring with God, you can't stop it by your little Facebook comments. <laughs> All right. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. He says, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. He says, but let every man, watch this, let every man do what? Take heed how he builds upon. He says, be concerned about your house. I can't be over here trying to tell Rodney how to build his house spiritually, and I, and I ain't paying attention to the one I'm building. But maybe God called him for something specific. If you don't think it's God, pray. That's your son. Pray. But you don't have the right to put everybody in your own box. Amen? You know, one time we had a, a, a lady who got really upset with us because we don't have Sunday school. She, I mean, she was fit to be tied, as my grandmother would say. She was upset. She said, it doesn't make sense. You know, we have good teaching. We need to have Sunday school. And we was young then. So we implemented Sunday school. Guess who never came to Sunday school? She didn't come not once. And so we just decided, you know what? We can't be trying to satisfy everybody. We got to stay in our lane. What did God call us to do? So here's the thing. If you love Sunday school, go to Sunday school and then come on over here. Because we're not going to have Sunday school. We, we're batting 100 if I get you here at 930. 
<laughs> Amen. All right, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. All right, all right, all right, all right. Come on. What did say? What did say, Nick? He says, "If any man, oh, you good? But let any let, let every man take heed how he build on." He says, "For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ." He says, "Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Everything that has to be built has to be built on what he has said." How many know that if you, well, well, Angel and Jimmy just built a house. You haven't seen pictures of it, you need to. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Ooh, we can't wait to come over. You need to invite me again. Right. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's laid out. It's nice. It's so nice. But watch this. Watch this. They didn't wake up and just start nailing stuff in the place. They had a plan. They had a design. And that's how God is. If you follow God, your house, your life will look beautiful. If it don't, you're going to have the kitchen in the middle of the basement somewhere because you're just going to be nailing your life together as you go. He says you've got to follow God. He's the master builder. He laid the foundation. He gave you the plans for your life. Follow the plans. Amen? Next verse. Now, in verse 12, Here's why I want to switch. Let's go to the message translation. Can you do that? We'll still stay in verse 12. But let's switch to the message translation because here's what I want you to see. Say, I am, I am building my faith, building my faith to, last. to last. Amen. Now, here you go. Amen. It says, take particular care in picking out your building materials. In other words, be sure that what you're doing in your life comes from the plans. Make sure it's God-ordained. He says, eventually there's going to be an inspection. And if you use cheap or inferior materials, you're going to be found out. He said the inspection is going to be what? Thorough. And what? Rigorous. Okay? So tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, an inspection of your faith is on the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't get scared. Just make sure you feel right. If the inspection calls... For, uh, for, for granite countertops, don't put nothing in there for granite countertops. If it calls for two-story, don't, don't build a one-story and try to make it longer saying, well, it's just good. Obedience is better than sacrifice. He says, take particular care in picking out your bidding materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. Next verse, verse 14. It says, if your work passes inspection, what? In other words, you're, you're supposed to have trials and tribulations. It's why James said, count it all when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing that the working of your faith causes you to have patience or consistency. So he said an inspection is coming. He says, and if your work passes inspection, man, great, it's supposed to. He says, but if it doesn't, watch this, you're part of the building, okay? I love what it says, your part. Because who's the, fa who, not, not, because who's the foundation? He said, not Jesus' part, but... Your part of the building is going to be what? Torn out. And what? Started over. Okay? You're going to have to start. It's going to be ripped out. The whole thing going to be started over. He says, but you won't be torn out. He says, you're going to survive. But how? Barely. That's how you're going to survive. Barely. That, that's how you're going to survive. That's what, that's what the word says. That, <laughs> hold it down. I mean, barely. So you got to make sure, I'm done, you got to make sure that what you're doing is ordained by God. And then once God tells you to do it, don't you let nobody talk you out of it. 
I don't care how radical it seems. I don't care how weird it seems. If God makes you a promise, you stick with the promise. And look, don't be afraid to share your testimony. There are some of you in here, and I ain't going to ever share your testimony. Kevin and Erica told me I could. I won't ever share your testimony if you haven't given me permission. But some of you in here got things that God has told you to do, and you've been doing them consistent, and they're producing things in your life. Don't be afraid to tell people. The Bible says they are overcome by the words of their testimony. Other people get invigorated. They feel like they have hope, like their life can change when you start to talk about what it is that God has done for you. That's the reason, and not to point out, but that's the reason I said on Angel's Facebook post that their house is a testament to God's faithfulness. Listen, if God gives you a plan to do something and you follow God's plan, nobody said it's going to be easy. But in the end, it's going to be beautiful. And, 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 and you have to learn to look at people's lives and glean that from their life. That, that was a faith builder for me because we've always said we didn't want to build a house because of how monumental the task was. Well, if they can do it, we can do it. Amen? That gave me faith. No, we ain't going to do it right now. But, 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 but we're working on that. <laughs> we're working on it. Amen? Why? Because at the end of the day, when I see somebody else obeying God and prospering, I go, man, that's great. That, that helps me. That invigorates my faith. 